Christos Anesti. Amasicham. Christ is risen. Christos Anbiat. Christos Amenfefuka. Christ is risen. This gospel this morning that we read is a very difficult gospel to preach on for a number of reasons. First of all, it's long. It's the longest dialogue that Jesus has with anybody in the New Testament. But in, the, but in this gospel is loaded with so many critical theological things that we need to know for our own worship and our salvation. It's, it's overwhelming. There's so many things to explain, so much background information that we need to understand about what a Samaritan is, what a temple in Jerusalem is, what a rival temple in, in Samaria is. And it would take three hours for us to do justice to this gospel passage that we have this morning. But I have ten minutes, give or take. So there's so much to gain from this gospel. I really want to work to boil down what, is the critical, what are the critical things that we need to know from this gospel that relate to our spiritual life and our worship here as Orthodox Christians and the divine liturgy and everything that we do together. So I've boiled it down to three things. God help me. Access to God the gift of living water, and what true worship is. The first thing is about access to God. We all want access to God. We all like to think that we have access to God. The Jews in Jerusalem thought because God was with them all the way from before Egypt to Egypt, through the Exodus to Jerusalem, in the tabernacle, in their temple, that they had access, the access to God. And they had a point, because God would actually come down in their tabernacle, which was their temporary temple in the desert, and in their permanent, permanent temple, God would come down and be with his people. Now the Samaritans had their own temple, and there's a long history about Samaria and why the Jews don't like the Samaritans. It's essentially because the Babylonians kicked out the Jews from their, that was their, one of their homelands. They had colonists who were Samaritans. They came, they liked what they saw about the Jews and built their own temple and said, this is the temple. And so they thought that they had the access to God in their temple. Now, in the midst of all this conflict, Jesus comes. And he just walks into this Samaritan town. He's thirsty. He gets a drink of water. He sees this woman at the well. And he asks her for a drink. And they have this conversation. Now, this is what comes from this conversation. Jesus comes into this turmoil and the conflict of this rivalry. And he says, neither you, Samaritans, or even the Jews, have really, from now on, true access to God. Yeah, the Jews have a little bit, a better case, but even then, Jesus is saying, those days of the temple, where God can only be seen in one place and one time, those days are over. Because God, the person, the reason of that temple has come down, taken upon flesh, and is walking around you. In fact, women, 
He's, I'm standing right in front of you. This is one of the few times, it's the first time in the New Testament where someone asks, talking about the Messiah, and Jesus explicitly says, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ, which they knew back then and we know now means I am God. Now what is Jesus saying? He's saying that those temples are now obsolete. I, your Lord, am with you. I am the way to have access to the Father. What did Jesus say? You all know it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the light. I am the true shepherd, bringing you to where? To, the, to, to true worship with God the Father. This way, God can be accessible anywhere and everywhere and here, especially today, with us because Christ is in our midst. I, someone asked me in a few days, a young person said, you know, all this, all this symbolism that we have that, that makes it, that represents God being present among us. And he you know, is God really present among us? And I said, of course he's present among us. Yesterday I was, I was at a big, they had a big wedding here and I went to a, a very big reception. And on the table they had the bride and the groom sitting at the head table. And Jesus being present with us now is as real, if not, well, I can't say if not, that doesn't make sense, is as real as that bride and that groom being at that banquet yesterday. In fact, Jesus Christ is the groom, and we are the bridegroom. This is what the, what, this is, and we are, Jesus is the bridegroom, and we are the bride. This is what the church has always sung about, what the church is. This is our wedding reception that we have with our Lord every single Sunday, every single Sunday since the Lord came in our midst. So that's about the access of God. Jesus has brought in a new spiritual reality that he himself is the access to God because he himself is God. When we worship him, Jesus, we worship the Father. That's it. It's simple. Then he talks to this woman about the gift of living water. When we hear about living water, we need to think immediately and understand the Holy Spirit. Now, living water, just, just basically talking about water, living water is water that was moving. It's, it's water in a river. It's water in a stream. The opposite of that is stagnant water that's, that's made as some, usually a man-made vessel. Right? The Holy Spirit is water that's moving. It's full of life. It's full of oxygen. It's something that is, it goes everywhere and can't be stopped. This is the living water that Jesus says that he gives to us. That, that he shares it completely. God never shares half of the Holy Spirit. There's never a cup half full with the Holy Spirit. Nothing that God does is ever half this or half that. When he gives us this living water, the Holy Spirit, we have it 100%. And this Holy Spirit that you have, that you were given at your baptism, that you have been given all this time, whether we know it or accept it or not, is given to us freely. We need all that we can to make ourselves like a bucket that can go and hold this water. But what is the problem when, with us in this living water? Our buckets have holes in them. 
Not physical holes, but spiritual holes. Because what do we do? We forget this gift that God gives us. We go and look to other things for our salvation and our rejuvenation and our inspiration. But we forget that God gave us ourselves, our bodies, our church to be these buckets. This has been one of the long complaints that God has had about his people. In the prophet Jeremiah, God complains to the Jewish people. He says, you have, you have the Holy Spirit, you have God's presence, but, you, but he, this is his complaint. You Jews, you go and look for other means of salvation. And then he says, you build cisterns. You build buckets that have holes in them. They don't take care of what they have. All of us, St. Paul says, and the scriptures say that we are vessels of the Holy Spirit. And that when we sin, it's like we're poking holes. We're either getting shot with holes or we're poking our holes ourselves. And when we come to the church, God has made it so that we can, we can plug up all these holes, receive the Holy Spirit, and be drawn to God, to be God, drawn to communion with our living God. And this is salvation. This is the fullness and abundance of life. So access to God, the gift of living water, and then finally, true worship. Jesus Christ said, again, Worshiping God only in that temple, on that hill, and that hill, is no more. That true worship only comes by worshiping God in spirit and truth. Jesus puts it together. You need, to worship God the Father, you need to worship by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. And then when he says about truth, he's talking about himself, Jesus. When he says, remember, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He is the word of God. He is the wisdom of God. He is the one with the, who is the one who is calling us to follow him. He has the power. He has the wisdom. He has the strength. He has the compassion to bring us to the living God. How do we, what does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? It means to worship with the Holy Spirit and Christ. And the number one way that Christians have done that from the first year of all Christianity, from that first time at the Last Supper where Jesus instituted the, the Holy Eucharist, is here and now. The, whole, the divine liturgy is the way that Christians have always worshipped in spirit, worship God in spirit and truth. If you're wondering, is the, Holy, is the divine liturgy the right way to worship? The answer is yes. If we don't know what's going on, that's on us to learn. If we, if we feel that we don't feel something, that's on us to try and discover. But the way to discover that is to be here and to participate and to learn and to sing and to stand and to, but, but, and to understand what we're singing. When we sing the words, especially Kiri Leison, it's just, not just beautiful music, but they're all prayers by the Holy Spirit given by Christ to the God the Father, and we have all that we need to be, have access to the living God. This sermon has only been, I can't tell, 11 minutes. I will stop here.